Good morning, church. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord with uh, those that believe. Amen? Amen. All right. This past week's been a kind of busy week for Don and I, of course. We took our grandkids back to St. Louis, and we survived, and uh, we're thankful for that. But it was great. Always good to be with our grandkids. Love them much. Uh, Our seven-year-old lost his first tooth. We're so proud of him. He... um, Pulled it himself, of course, one of those dangly ones that sat there for about seemingly three weeks. But he did it, and we were, I was just glad to be there with him for that. That's, it seems like a little thing to a lot of people, but it's a big thing when you're a grandpa. Uh, it really is. Uh, I told him that I got a quarter when I was, uh, lost my first tooth. He said, that's not enough. <clears throat> He started at 20 and we ended at 5. That's dollars, if you will. <clears throat> Nonetheless, good to see you today. There was a frog that was absolutely confident that his calling was, his destiny was, to become this handsome young prince, of course. But to confirm that, he decided to go to a fortune teller. So he sits down at this crystal ball, and the lady begins to say, Oh, I see something great in your life. Oh, really? You're going to meet this beautiful young woman. Yes, the frog said. I just knew I was going to be a handsome prince. She says, she goes on to say, from the moment she sets eyes on you, she will be fascinated with you. Oh, she will just be completely enthralled by what you are and what you have become and all the ins and outs. She will just be impressed by you. Awesome, said the frog. Where will I be? Will I be in a singles club when we meet? She said, oh, no, biology class. (laughs) I thought it was kind of cute. There is within each of us a longing, I suppose, a longing to be more than what we are, a longing to be or have a purpose in life. A longing to be useful in the kingdom of God as Christians. But just even as a person that's not even a Christian, they have a longing, a desire to contribute, a a desire to, if you will, be more than just something, but to contribute to life itself. Be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, actually. Something worthwhile in life that you're known for, a purpose. Well, God's desire for us and every one of us as children is to discover, I believe, our destiny. Our ultimate destiny, of course, is heaven, and we get that through Jesus Christ. Give me an amen. Amen. So in that, but to find, I think that God wants us to discover what it is that He has given us as a purpose in our life now that we are these children of God. Now, the starting point for that is a God encounter, of course, a calling, if you will, a hearing from God. No one comes to the Father unless he is called by the Spirit of God. Where were you when you had that calling? Maybe it was at a church camp, or maybe it was at a setting such as this, or maybe it was just in the middle of the night. Maybe it was camping, and you saw the stars, and something just touched your heart. It was a song that someone sang, or maybe something you read, a calling there. I was 12 years old when that took place for me. Some actually this past week on the 20th of June was marked my 50th anniversary that I had that calling in my life where 
in Utica, Michigan, there was a man preaching, and, and, and I had no clue that I was going to give my life to the Lord at that time, and, and yet that calling was deep, and you probably recall yours as well. And there's a calling within that. And then there's a response to that with faith and certainly obedience to the Lord. Then our lives become something greater, according to what Christ tells us, once we are fall in love with God and, and accept what He has for us, there's a, a, now a purpose for our life, a true God-given purpose. Now, the first thing, of course, that is Jesus calls us to this relationship and a relationship with Him. It has to start with Jesus because it's the only way we can have a relationship with God. And so in that, it's not about works they are just the byproduct of what we are and who we are and whose we are now in Jesus the Christ. We are not just to have a relationship with Jesus, but rather to be drawn and draw our identity through Christ now. We are these new creations, we say, we read about in Scripture. So now our identity is no longer the Davidson identity. It is now the Christ identity. I'm trying to conform to what Christ would have me be. It's a struggle, to tell you the truth. It's not as easy as it looks. Because that Davidson in me, or that Smith or Jones in you, tries to come out sometimes. Anybody out there? But we know that we're to identify with Him. It is not to be about... But many Christians or many people draw their identity through their profession. I'm this lawyer. I'm this doctor. I'm this teacher. And they draw their identity through that. I'm this rancher. Whatever it might be. Some try to uh, look at it through the lives of their, their children. My identity is in my children. And the success of my children... And we see it that way, or politics, and we play that politics. Our identity is connected to our politics. And so it's, we, we battle against those things in our lives. But the people who are Jesus calls, we're to find our identity in Jesus and Christ alone, if you will. And the relationship, the relationship with Him defines our unity, not only with Him, but with each other. And so when I identify with Christ and you identify with Christ, even though we are different since I'm a Davidson, you're a Smith, we are identifying through Christ, and so our unity comes through and by and only through Christ Jesus. Give me an amen. And that's what makes us family, makes us God's children. But then about the purpose. A, a lot of people struggle with this. Many believers today have a they're, they're, they're fuzzy around the edges, I say, sometimes. You just haven't been polished enough, not by the preaching of a, a, a particular person, but by shaped, being shaped by the Word of God. So they're a little fuzzy around the edges, if you will, in the sense of their purpose in Christ. I'm just not real clear in that in my life. And oftentimes what happens here when we're not clear, we just don't do anything. We, we, we don't find ourselves really enthralled. We just do what we do out there, and then we just come here. And we're His children, and we believe that we're His children, but yet we haven't found that real purpose. Oh, He's the preacher. Oh, He's the teacher. Oh, she's the teacher. Or, or that person. But, but me, I just haven't found my purpose. 
So is it true that God has a purpose for your life? Is it true? Is it true that he has a purpose for your life on this journey together? Or is it just left up to chance? Some people just flip a coin and say, that's what I'm going to do. Rock, paper, scissors. Uh, I'm not very good at those. I got about a 50-50 chance of getting what I think I want, but not necessarily what God wants for me. Purpose. Moses was born to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. Elijah was born to be a prophet. Noah was born to build an ark. We know these stories. John the Baptist was born to be the forerunner of Christ himself. And John, or Paul was born to be a preacher and write perhaps two-thirds of the New Testament. What were you born for? You know your purpose? You know your purpose in Christ Jesus? What is it? Do you know that? That's a really good question. I ask people that often in counsel. What do you think your purpose is in Christ? Uh, well, go to church. Um, well, um, give money. Um, well, uh, and then we, we, see, we try to figure it that way, don't we? How about you? I believe until you discover your purpose, your existence will have no meaning. True meaning. Just a true meaning. Because purpose is the source of fulfillment, and it can only be found in your Creator. It's the only place it can be found. If the Creator created you, He created you for a purpose. And so when you find that purpose, you find fulfillment. It's pretty good, I think. If you believe that God created all things, Colossians chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1 and following, if you believe that God created all things, and if you believe on the sixth day God created man, humans, if you believe that, then would you not believe that God was the creator of all things, and with that, God had a purpose for all things that he created? Why would God create anything if it didn't have a purpose connected to it? For instance, a tree has a purpose. A tree serves us and gives us oxygen, we've discovered. God knew that long before we ever discovered it. So trees have a purpose, wood for our houses or wood for the fire or whatever the case would be that we might use wood for. Birds and fish have a purpose. There's a purpose for birds and fish. They're for food. Now, all you people out there that are green, you can keep eating green, I'm going to eat fish and birds. Well, certain kinds of birds. And a little bit of fish. Give me a cow, right? <laughs> all right, but in that process, so there's a purpose for it. Then man must also have a purpose if God created us. Do you believe that God created us? Give me an amen. amen. And then do you believe that God has a purpose for man? Give me an Amen. Do you believe God has a purpose for you? Are you sure? Okay, what is that purpose? How do we know? What is it then becomes the question, is it not? Purpose. How do you describe purpose? Well, the first thing you do is you look it up. Because you're going to tell me what purpose is, but the dictionary says it's the reason for which something is done or created for which something exists. Something exists for a purpose. It's for something to get done. You create a hammer for a nail. There's a purpose for it. 
There's a purpose for a car. There's a purpose for a hot air balloon. And the list goes on and on. There's a purpose for it. There's no purpose for it. It has no meaning, does it? So man, if man is created, there must be a purpose connected to it. Webster goes on to describe it this way as purpose, as an anticipated outcome. The purpose has an anticipated outcome. There's something for the cause that is it's intended for, he goes on to say, or this one I like, purpose is that it is what guides your planned action. Your purpose guides your planned action in life. So once you find your purpose, you're, you're guided through your actions in life. Then you receive the ultimate or what it is your purpose delivers, whatever that might be in life. So how does that work? The struggle for that plan is often difficult and oftentimes never discovered in people's lives, in Christians' lives. Oftentimes, it's never discovered because, one, because you never search for it. You've just hidden it. Remember the talents that were given out? The sums that were given out? Oh, I hid mine. Here it is. You know well, the outcome of that, don't you? And so it's something that God has given in that, but yet we struggle with it because we are human. The average college student changes their... I don't know, their, their challenge of their, their degree or whatever their majors, I should say, three to four times, some say as many as five to six times before they graduate. Imagine that. And you parents and grandparents, you're paying for that, right? Yeah, you know that, don't you? How many of you changed your degree or your, your major in college? Anybody? Yeah. How many changed it more than once? Whoa. How many changed it more than twice? How many are like me, still working on it? <laughs> so it stands true, pretty close, doesn't it? The average person changes jobs six to eight times. I believe even more so now when this study was done because of the technology world in which we live, but six to eight times in a lifetime. Anybody have more than three jobs that you've done in your life? <laughs> Anybody have more than six jobs in their life? Yeah. See, it starts adding up, doesn't it? So we change. We're trying to figure things out. We're trying to put it all together. We move from one to the next and so on and so forth, and that's the way it is in our lives. So oftentimes, in our schooling or even our occupations in life, we discover what we don't want to do in life. Ever discover what you don't want to do in life? That's important in life. Discover what you don't want to do. You can drive someone to greater things, actually, discovering what you don't want to do. So many people do this day, what they do this day is, <clears throat> excuse me, is they Google job definition or description. And when you do that, it, it'll show you a, a video clip, a YouTube clip. And then what, through that little video clip can shape you into saying, that's what I want to do. Normally, that's not the case. Normally, it's that we want to look at that, and what is the outcome? Money, 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 right? And so when we look at the money, money, money thing, that's what I want to do. But then when we discover it takes a little bit of doing to get the money, 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 then we often say, oh, going to change. I don't want to do that. Anybody with me? Yes, this means yes today, too. All right. So there it is. And then we move on. 
It's kind of like the kid at the store. You ever take a, one, of these, one of these children, they're, they're, in a, they're still in the buggy. You're not at that stage with a little Amelia, but you will be there. All parents know this. You're pushing a little cart, and there's a reason why there's a little aisle filled with all kind of goodies at the checkout aisle. My daughter says she loves Walmart's new deal. You pick it up. She said, because I don't have to go through those little aisles. Sales are down, dude. Why? Because they usually start off with something big in the store, like a 60-inch color TV. Maybe not. But anyway, there's something there. And they want, they want the latest of something until they get to that final aisle. And then what do they do? Well, I'll settle, I'll settle for a lollipop or whatever, right? And somewhere down the line, we usually do that unless you get them chicken on the way in the door, right? And some parents do that. That's what we do oftentimes in our lives generally. But actually, it's sometimes what we do in our Christian life as well, sad to say. Some Christians do that as well in their walk with Christ. So they say something like this. I'll just give you a kind of an example. I want to know God's will so I can decide whether I want to do God's will. Think about that one. I want to know God's will. If you tell me what, my, what your will is for my life, God, before I get into this thing, then I will either say yes or I will say no in that. The problem with that is that you can't Google the will of God for your life. But you sort of kind of can because you know why? Yesterday when I came to the office to study and rework this a lot, I thought to myself, well, I'll just Google it and find out. So I Google it. How to know God's will for your life. Poof, the thing blew up. There were all kinds of things on there. And you know what? There were pretty, really pretty some good ones on there. Many of them led to many things that might help you, by the way. And if they lead to the Scripture, study the Scripture so that you can show yourself approved, Scripture says. So in that process, there was something there. But what my point here was going to be, seeking God's will is not like shopping for a new car. It's not the way it works. You don't get to test drive God's will and then simply say, well, I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking yes, maybe not uh, later on. But yet sometimes that's what we do. How can I know it's God's will is a question. Well, uh, David had a, a great class today over in the family center, and we were talking about many things there and talking about the peace and the rest of God and all that. And so, you know, asking God... And there was a list of many things that we talked about. But in this particular one, how can I know the will of God? How can I know it's the will of God? Well, there's a list of things. I suppose if we were to ask questions like David did, we'd start getting a lot of responses. And we could talk about each one of those. I want to give you two today, just two. To know that it's the will of God for your life. All right? Number one, is it scriptural? Why do I say that? Is it scriptural? Well, the purpose of that, there is a purpose for Scripture. There's a purpose for this Word of God. You see, again, remember, God gives us things for a purpose. So there's a purpose for this. And it tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, some of that function of this Word. It's to teach us, to guide us, and direct us, and all those things. So what does that help me? God speaks to us through His Word. Now, you see, if your purpose doesn't connect you with God, His Word, if your purpose doesn't connect you with God, 
It cannot be the will of God. It can only be what you want. And there lies a problem for many. We want in the kingdom of God what we want out of the kingdom of God. Oh, we all want heaven. Give me an amen. But we want to do or be in the kingdom of God what we want to do and what we want to be in the kingdom of God. That sounds pretty good. What do you want to do? Joseph, what do you want to do? Jonathan, what do you want? Roger, what do you want? What do you want to do? And so we ask ourselves that question. And then we come up with the answer sometimes. Huh, it may surprise us a little bit. Many people just make up things. Did you know that? They just make up things. They may not even know what they're making up, but they like to do it. And so then they simply say, well, God has called me to do this. How do you know that? Have you studied the scripture to find out that that's the truth? That God is leading you in that direction? What's confirmed that in your life? Who's confirmed that in your life? Have they given you that direction? I have yet to find in Scripture where that was the case. Noah never said to God, Hey God, you know I'm down here not really doing anything and I got a feeling for the next 120 years I'm not going to be doing much. So what I'm thinking, God, is I had this dream the other day and I'm thinking about building this big boat. It's going to be a big boat. And it's going to be over 100 yards long, and it's just going to be awesome. It's going to take me 120 years, but I think I would like to do that for you, God. Would that be okay? Oh, Noah, thank you so much. I don't think Noah did that, do you? No. God said, Noah, I want you to build me an ark. Okay, I'll build an ark, but it's going to be real big. Okay, it's going to be real big. Oh, by the way, the wood's not going to be found here. It's going to be up in Tulsa somewhere. And, and, and oh, by the way, it's going to take you 120 years to build it. And oh, by the way, you're going to build it in the middle of Oklahoma. And oh, by the way, it's going to rain someday. Rain, what's rain? Well, rain is water from the sky. It had never rained before that time. Kind of strange, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't see where Abraham says, God, oh, God, I got a great idea. I want to leave my family. I want to leave my comfort zone. I want to go to somewhere where I don't even know where it's at. No, that wasn't the case at all, was it? God said, Abraham, I want you to go. And Abraham said, okay. He had a purpose. He had a purpose, purpose for him going. There's a purpose for all things that God gives. Now let me insert here, now I think this is important because some people may read me wrong. I don't think that it's wrong to ask God permission to be or to do a certain thing in his kingdom. I don't think it's wrong at all. That's a good starting point, actually. God, I, this is really on my heart. This is really, it's been really pressing on my heart. And I really feel as though that's how you're leading me in this. Show me some confirmation in my life. Show me, please, Lord. I really want to do this. If it's your will, Father, let these things come to pass. Let those doors be open. Let those windows fly open for me and my walk with you. But keep in mind, he might ask you to do the most unlikely thing in his kingdom. Yikes. Goes back to me again, doesn't it? Goes back to you again. Wait a minute, God. When I was 22, wait a minute, this is true. At 22, wait a minute, God. You want me to preach? Are you kidding me? 
do you not realize, Lord, who you're talking to? I think you, you must be calling the other Davidson, my brother Larry. Because everybody said my brother Larry was going to be a minister. And God said, no, 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 not him. You and all I didn't miss. Well, God, do you realize that I have a speech problem? Uh, yeah. But Lord, do you realize that I can't put a full sentence together without being using 75 words and a lot of help from John Escalar? Uh, yeah. And so you're telling me you still want me to preach your word? Uh, it's what I said. Okay. <laughs> 11 years. I said, there ain't no way. You see, God can call people into doing something in his kingdom that we refuse to do because we think we are incapable of doing it. Here's the key. If he does call you into doing something that seems to be a little strange or the most unlikely thing, would you and are you willing to do it with the th same enthusiasm as if you would what you want? That's how you figure out you're in the will of God. So if you accept what God tells you to do and you, that was the last thing on your list, and the first thing on your list you were excited about doing if God said do that. But it's the last thing on your list and God says I want you to do that. Are you as excited? And if you are, then you're in the will of God because of this fact. If not, then there is a problem. Because you are then asking God to follow you and not you follow him. Catch the difference? In other words, I have a list here, Lord. If you pick one, two, or three, I'm okay. That's saying, God, follow me. If God says, this is what I want you to do, and you go, that's following God. Remember and always remember, God does the calling. We are called to do the following. Give me an amen. How do I know that? Scripture. In this particular scripture, you know, in Mark chapter 1, it's the it's calling of his first disciples. He's along the, uh, the shore there that morning, or whatever the case is, and he calls he calls out to Peter, which is Simon there, and his brother Andrew. And he says, follow me. That's all he does. And he's, just a, he's just this stranger guy. Follow me. And they get in and follow him. It's amazing. It's amazing what he did. Now, the second part of that, he goes down the shore a little bit further, and he runs into James and John, the son of Zebedee. Sons of Zebedee. And then there's other people in the boat. And he tells them, follow me. And they leave everything and follow them. But did you notice something? And I think this is important. There were other people in the boat, but that wasn't their calling. Did you ever notice that in that verse? Why didn't he call those other people in the boat? Because he chose not to. That wasn't their calling. See, sometimes your calling is going to be different than my calling. And mine's going to be different than yours. But all of us are going to get called to do something if we're in the kingdom of God because God created us for a purpose. Hope it starts to make sense. Write this down. Following Jesus is where you discover your calling or your purpose. Following Jesus is where you discover your purpose. So follow Jesus. And obeying Jesus is where you demonstrate who you are following. You demonstrate who you are following through obedience. First on the list, tenth on the list. I'm following you, Lord. 
seek to see God's perspective on things in your life. Try not to look at your list. Try to look at God. You see it? If you look at a list, you focus in on that. That's why you go to school. This is what I want to do, and you start doing that, and then you change. But focus on God, not on your list. And God will use you in mighty ways. I promise you that. If your identity is in Christ now, you have a new perspective, or you should begin to have a new perspective. That's how I saw things. This is how I'm beginning to see things. I can see clearly now of what God wants me or is leading me to. You see where I'm coming from? Hopefully you are. Hang on. Our purpose can only be found in our Creator. There was a reason why the hammer was formed. There's a reason why you were born. So our purpose can be found in our Creator. Remember, purpose is the success of fulfillment or the source of fulfillment, excuse me. Who gives the purpose? The Creator does. And there's a reason for it. Let's do a dig in verse, just a few minutes. Just a couple of minutes, actually. Wow. It's so much on this. All right, here we go. This is a verse that's very familiar with, a lot, with all of us. But let's read it again and just kind of take a look at it real quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It goes on to say, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Listen to me. Faith will all, is the only thing that's going to connect you to God's grace. Faith connects you to God's grace every time in your life. Because what God is saying, do you believe me? Not what you see, not what you hear, not what other people are thinking, or not even what you're thinking. I want you to believe me. Grace comes into play. Then he says, And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast, for we are the workmanship of created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do which he had prepared for us in advance to do, one translation says. Now, you see, if it is by your doing in anything, if it is by your doing, then you would claim the credit for it in salvation or anything else in your life. If you claim your salvation through your works, you're going to claim everything else in the kingdom of God by your works. It is by God that all this takes place. Your salvation, and now he's prepared the good works. He's called you a workmanship. He's created something in you to do. Salvation, it actually makes us a tool, someone said. It makes us a tool to be used, not an object to be observed. Christians are not called to be trophies in a trophy case for people to walk by and be admired by. Oh my goodness, look at that one right there. Man, he was born again on June the 20th, 1969. Ooh, look at him. No. We are born again to be workers in the kingdom of God. So he tools us with the things, he gives us the things that we need for a purpose connected to it. It's important. Number two, how are you going to know this? Is there a need? Is there a need? It has to be uh, scriptural, but there needs to be a need connected to it. What am I saying? 
You can find God's purpose for your life in finding a need and fulfilling it. It's important in your life. You find a need and you fulfill it. Then you realize, oh, that had a purpose connected to it. Yeah, you. Here's one for you. We make it too difficult. We make it a, a, more complicated than it really is. You heard the one about the, the man out east on the east coast. He always wanted a ranch, a large ranch. So he and his wife saved and saved and saved. They moved to Wyoming and bought this huge ranch. So his friend flies out to the ranch one day and wants to see how things are going on. He says, boy, this is a beautiful ranch you got here. He said, what's the name that you gave to it? He said, well, me and my wife had a little bit of disagreement what we are going to name it. We couldn't come up with a real good name, so finally we just settled on this. It's called the Double R Lazy L Triple Horseshoe Bar 7 Lucky Diamond Ranch. The man said, wow, that is, I'm really impressed with the name of this ranch. He said, well, you should be. So he said, now tell me, where are your cows at? Well, the rancher said, we had a lot of them, but none of them survived the branding. <laughs> we make this thing a little more complicated than it should be. What do I mean by that? Well, if, listen to this. This makes sense to me. If there is a need that you see and God has given you the ability, you, not someone else, if, if you see a need that God has given you, the ability to meet that need, reach out and fulfill it. For when you do, you will find joy and peace is what you're looking for. You'll find joy and peace. Do you know why? It is because a purpose was fulfilled and God got the glory for the purpose in which he intended for you to fulfill. So God gets the glory. When God gets the glory, you're fulfilling the purpose in which God gave you or put that need in front of you. So when there's a need and you see it and you can fulfill it, don't walk away from it. Say, this one's my purpose. This is what God's called me to do. God doesn't make mistakes in that regards. There's so much to be said on this. In 1 John chapter 3, this is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ, of course, laid down his life for us. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, notice what he says, how can the love of God be in that person? How can it? Dear children, that's what I am. Dear children, Harley, listen, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Remember, purpose guides your planned actions. If you know you're in this thing for God, what would God do? What would Jesus do? The bracelet. What would Jesus do in this situation? If I'm a representative of Christ, then what am I supposed to do in this situation? If God has given me the ability to do it, I carry it out. If he hasn't, then work on that. Find other people. Maybe call it to someone else's attention. Maybe it's to help a family with an electric bill. Let's say the bill is $300. You don't have $300, but you feel for them. You really want to help. Maybe all you can do is $50. Well, maybe you got several friends. You can say, God's really put this on my heart. And this person's really in need. Now, they're going to make the decision for themselves whether they're going to help or not. But let them make that decision. But you might reach out. and Maybe together now. Now you're working together to fulfill what God says you can do. It's important in our lives. 
In Matthew chapter 25, he talks about the clothing and the prison and all those things. And he ends it with saying, the king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And so if there's a need, fulfill that need. And it doesn't mean that everybody you pass on the street corner says, I will work for food or please help me. It doesn't mean that you have to give money. But if God places that on your heart, give it with an open heart. Why? God will bless you. Well, he's going to do this. Well, then don't give it. Because your attitude is already in the gutter. Your attitude is somewhere else. I've passed dozens of people, and maybe it does, God doesn't put in my heart. But there's sometimes it's just like, hmm. You ever do that besides me? And you're just like, hmm. Yeah, this one. For some reason. Carry it through. So you see, our purpose is to know Jesus, follow Jesus, and meet the needs of others as we follow Jesus on our journey. Here's the ending. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Folks, and, and do not tune out. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you don't, then your purpose in life is and will continue to always be missed until you connect with your Creator. How sad. Good news. Good news. Today. Today he is offering you the exact same advice that he did for Peter, James, and John, and Andrew on that shoreline long ago. Follow me. That's it. Follow me. And if you do, I'll not only give you salvation, I will give you the real, true meaning of purpose in life. We have a purpose. If you are a Christian, once again, are you fulfilling your purpose in life? Ask yourself that question, my friend. Are you fulfilling the purpose, your purpose in life? Are you truly following the Lord and His ways, or are you following your own? Is there a need that you know that needs to be met right now? Is there a need that you know that needs to be met right now, and you know good and well that you have the means to fulfill it, but you're willing to put it off again? Why don't you reach out in faith? Why don't you reach out in faith and obedience and just do what God has called you to do today? For if you do, if you do, I will promise you joy and peace will replace shame, guilt, and regret. God loves us. And God has a purpose for us. May we follow Him and meet the needs that he calls us to meet. Prayer requests, prayer concerns, I'm going to take them. You come forward, we'll pray with you today. Maybe today is your day to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We pray that today is the day, your day. Know that we are standing ready to serve you in any way. You come, as together we stand and sing this song.